This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is pro basketball player Brandon Sherrod. Brandon, how's it going? Going well, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on. So let's go back in time. And uh, how'd you get involved first starting playing basketball? Well, it's funny because um, when I was about 14, I started playing. It's my freshman year of high school, and I didn't play any organized basketball before. I hadn't played. And I was a really big kid. I was like 315 pounds, like 6'2". And my, my teammates at the time, they were like, yo, you should try out because you're tall. And, you know, in Connecticut, there weren't a lot of tall tall dudes. So yeah. I ended up going to practice, going to the tryouts, and um, I, I sucked. I was, like, <laughs> shooting layups off the backboard. I was dribbling off my foot. You know, I just – I was really a scrub. Like, if anyone was a bona fide scrub, it was me at that time. And so, um, you know, just day by day, luckily my coaches didn't cut me, and I was able to work on my game. And I ended up losing, like, 100 pounds between my freshman and sophomore year. And um, I went from playing just freshman in JV to actually uh, starting varsity my, my sophomore year. So my start just came from, you know, general interest and my friends kind of pushing me to try out for the team and having some of, of the game of basketball for watching it and, um, you know, seeing other NBA players on TV and stuff like that. Gotcha, gotcha. You got to send me some picks because I still don't believe that you were 325 <laughs> <laughs> No, facts. I know. I know. People talk, people talk about it all the time. And, like, the weight just fell off, too. So I remember my grandma – she was like, you know, boy, you you been what you you been smoking something? I was like, no, grandma, I just I'm working out. So uh, it's a real blessing. I think basketball, you know, in my opinion, saved my life because you know if I if I hadn't have started playing, I probably would have still been the same size and I wouldn't have been as healthy as I am now. Yeah, definitely. Were did you play any other sports growing up? Yes, when I was a kid, I mean, my my parents had me play soccer, which is you know one of the big sports where you know it's not too hard to play. You just got to try to kick a ball, and then. Um, I also played baseball from age nine to twelve. I played third base, outfield, and um, and I pitched every now and then. So it was really cool. Played a little league, and that was fun. I probably could have been a pretty good baseball player if I had stuck with it, but it was just too boring of a sport for me. Just a lot of standing around, and you know, I needed to uh, to have some action. So your first organized basketball was in high school. Yeah, like I played maybe there was like Sterling House basketball league, it was like a community center league in Stratford. Mm-hmm. And I played there maybe for like I think our league lasted like two months or something like that. But aside from that, no, no organized ball. That's none crazy. whatsoever. That's crazy. And then how did you end up uh going to Choke private school? Yeah, so I had a really good run at Stratford High. Um my sophomore year we won our first state championship of school history. And then um my senior year we went twenty seven and oh. And uh, we won the state championship, but I didn't know where I wanted to go to school. Like I had a, a few offers that offer, offer from Davidson. I had some interest from schools like UMass. I had an offer from Fordham um, and, and Sacred Heart University, which you know is your alma mater. So um, my coach at the time, Adam Finkelstein, the coach at Cho, he reached out to me after I played the AAU tournament, and he was like, you know, we, we'd love to have you. And I had the grades because it was a really, really prestigious um, institution. And the Yale coaches that come to visit me, they came to visit me at Stratford High. They were like, you know, if you go to Choke for a year, you'll probably have a better chance of, of getting into Yale because of you know, the academic pedigree, the, you know, the reputation and even the culture. I think that was probably the biggest thing, just the culture shock of going from public school to private school. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up at Choke for 2010 to 2011. And it was a really, really cool experience. You actually won 
school's first New England championship, too, for basketball, which is super dope. So just got kind of kept the, the winning culture going, um, and I had a good time. Yeah, going back, uh, you won in 2010, you won the Gatorade Player of the Year in Connecticut. So what was that like? It was crazy, man. You know, you know the, the wild thing is, when, again, as I came, when I came in as a freshman, there were so many guys around Connecticut that I looked up to. You know, other guys who were, you know, freshmen. There's some really good players that I, that I really admired, like Greg Langston, who went to St. Joe's and ended up playing at Southern Connecticut State University. Uh, one of my teammates, Russell Payton, that's um, Trafford High. He was, he was a really, really talented player as a freshman. And I really looked up to those guys, and I wanted to, to be like them because I was nowhere close to where they were at, at skill level-wise. And I guess it's just a testament of a lot of hard work, man, and, and a lot of perseverance. And, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody would have, uh, you know, would have to- could have told me that I would be the Gatorade State Player of the Year coming into our freshman tryouts. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just a, a testament to the hard work, dedication, and, and staying the course. And, um, and honestly, just playing hard. I had a really good motor uh, when I was playing in high school and also off the court being academically involved, being involved in my, my church and my, my ministry with my parents. And then um, also doing other things like acting and singing and, and being involved with uh, with the music. So I think all those things kind of culminated into me being the Gatorade Player of the Year. And, um, you know, for us to win the state championship too was a big time cherry on top. So it was a really, really, um, really cool experience. Yeah, jack of all trades over <laughs> try and try, man. and then uh and what overall i know you kind of just touched on the recruiting process but what was it like after you went to prep school yeah so i mean after i after i finished up um stratford high i had a summer with cbc which one which was one of the premier aau programs in connecticut so i played mm-hmm. with guys like nba star andre drummond who plays for the pistons now mm-hmm. and chris dunn who's from new london connecticut Actually, I played against Chris when he was a sophomore, and I was a senior. We played against each other in the state championship in League and Sun, um, and we ended up winning that one. But I played with Chris and Andre on that same team and a bunch of other top guys, Phil Gaetano, Dennis Levine, Deshaun Murphy, Tavon Allen, like a lot of really, really talented guys. And I had a lot of recruitment and a lot of offers from being on the AAU circuit. And then when I went to prep school, the you know my coach was very well connected um, with Division One coaches and. I remember we had a we had a couple of workouts where we would just have like you know our five guys, six people, and coach would put us through a workout. And then after the workout, the coaches would would offer guys on the spot. Like I got a got a couple offers, like literally because I just played well on in a three on three setting. Yeah. Um, for coaches that would have probably never come and see me play when I was in uh, public school. So um, it was really it was really really cool cool situation. Got me really prepared for college too. I started a lifting program. Um, which I had never done. I was always a pretty big kid, but I never lifted weights before. So, you know, that was something that also helped me prep for for college as well. So, you know, it was a really, really dope situation. So how did you narrow down your decision and then end up picking Yale? So it's funny because I didn't want to go to Yale. My right. coaches came in and they were like, you know, we want you to, uh, we would love for you to come to the university, but we think you're going to Choke would be a good idea. And I was like, do I have to commit to you guys? And, they said no, so it was a, it was a win-win situation for me. My dream school was was Georgetown. I'd always want to go there, and I had other offers, uh, you know, from schools that were mid-majors. But I also had a couple other Ivy League offers: one from Brown, one from Penn, and one from Yale. And I remember my coach sat me down from Cho, and we were in Cho's dining dining hall. And I never forget it. He was like, you know, you'd be stupid if you pass up an opportunity to go to a place like Yale 
And he was like, you know, there's just some opportunities that you're afforded at that university that you won't be able to find anywhere else. And, uh, you know, after we had that conversation, I committed to, it was, I think it was my birthday um, of that year, I called Coach, and I was Coach Jones, James Jones at Yale, and I said, hey, Coach, I'm committing to Yale. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then your first season, you were named Rookie of the Year at Yale, and then uh, what would just take me through some of those first couple of years and then into the woof and poofs. Yeah, man. I think I think coming to Yale at first was a was a huge culture shock for me um, on so many levels. Obviously, from you know an academic standpoint, it's one of the most one of the most prestigious universities in the world, and okay. the the caliber of person that you meet at, at Yale is, is just incredible. There are so many people who are super intelligent, just like uber smart um very ambitious there are kids who came in with an idea of what they want to do like as soon as they got to yale there are kids who want to be pre-med and they knew that their trajectory was four years of of pre-med at yale then you know going to med school and going through that whole process you had people who want to go into you know finance and law and i was just a kid who came in and i honestly at first i was just like i want to just play basketball like you know that was my that was my main thing like obviously get good grades and I wanted to major in political science but I had no concrete idea of what I really really wanted to do so for my first couple of years I kind of just waltzed through Yale you know doing pretty well in the classroom but but not necessarily understanding the opportunities that were laid out before me mm-hmm. off the court so uh, I think I didn't really come to the realization of that until probably my the end of my junior year early senior year on the court, we were okay. We were in the top half of the league, but we didn't get to win the league my first three years when I was there. And that was pretty frustrating, too, because I wanted, I thought I, I could have played more. And coming in as a freshman, you know, it's, it's a big adjustment period, too. Like trying to adjust to the speed and the athleticism and the strength of, of college athletes is not the same. And I really, you know, playing against some of those teams, like Princeton was really good when I was there. Uh, Penn had a really solid team. You know, the whole league was pretty competitive, but it's just, you know, you play back-to-backs. It's not like other leagues where you have a, you know, a, a league tournament and a regular season, mm-hmm. you know, uh, tournament. So we didn't have that when I was there at all. So it was really, really difficult to win games and to be super competitive. So, you know, that was all that was all really difficult for me and trying to wrap my head about it, around all of it. Um, but obviously, you know, the amenities, like how beautiful the campus is, the teachers, the, the fact that it was in New Haven and I was, I was still close to home, my hometown of Bridgeport, Connecticut. So that was really dope. But after my, my first three years, I, I ended up auditioning for this, this acapella group and that kind of you know, changed everything for me as far as my outlook on on, uh, on life, the university, and and uh, the, the world. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that year. Like, did that change your, I guess, mindset on basketball too, as well. Like, just thinking about like professionally bas- playing basketball and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, so we, so I joined this group, the, the Whiff and Poops, yeah. which is a. Uh, it's like I'll save you the. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the pleasure of, of trying to pronounce that, but it's like the the, the oldest all male acapella group in the United States, and um, it's been around since 1909. And every year, 14 rising seniors get chosen, and for a long time it was all men. I think last year was the first time that they admitted a uh, a woman into the Whiffin' Poofs, but um, 14 rising seniors, and they auditioned, so I think there were probably like, you know, 30 to 40 people who auditioned, and they chose 14, and um, I happened to be one of the 14, and because 
the group usually travels all the time. Like we were getting all over the United States. We made trips to South America. We were in Ecuador and Peru. We went to every continent other than, than Antarctica after the year was over 26 countries in, in literally a year. Um, so I had to take the year off school and, and off basketball, um, which was a really tough decision. Cause obviously, you know, as a, as a player, you want to keep your rhythm, but also as a student, you want to keep your rhythm too. Um, so it was really, really abrupt, but, um, having, after traveling and, and meeting so many people from around the world, it just, it just really opened my eyes to, you know, just how insignificant we really are. Like for me being a, you know, a person, I, I thought of, I thought of myself as being, you know, super important and always wanting to be, you know, the center of attention and all, all that stuff. But, you know, traveling just, just introduces you to so many different cultures, mm-hmm. unlike your own. It teaches you that you are just like one small piece of, of this, uh, you know, big sea of, of folks it's just crazy like everyone's doing life yeah. in different parts of the world um more or less the same way you are just maybe in a different language or with different amenities and, and different situations and different things to worry about um so you know I, I i really really enjoyed that trip i met a ton of great people i was really open and to the new experiences and i um you know i thought about you know future abroad which i never yeah. thought about before uh, joining the group so that was really big for me yeah, actually, that's crazy. I didn't know you had to take the year off from school too. I thought you guys were doing like you know online classes or something. No, no, we were no, we were really like literally. It was just like it was kind of like going on tour. Yeah, we yeah, literally yeah. went on tour, <laughs> like professional musicians, uh, professional singers, just traveling all over the place. And the guys had had gigs so that they could support themselves. Um, but for mm-hmm. the most part, we were always you know out and about. Yeah, that's crazy. So now going into your senior year i guess you'd say um how did you transition from not basically how long i mean i don't even know how long did you not play basketball for and then you got back into it yeah so i took like i took the the whole year off so that was 2014 and 2015 so i mean during the time that i was gone i was always working out like there was you know i i I tried to get into the gym as much as possible because i knew i wanted to be ready uh, when i came back to play and my coach was you know really cool about you know like having me back and um, inviting me with open arms. So I took a leave of a leave of absence from the university, but I was I was able to you know come right back without any problems. Um, so I mean, for my body, it was really good being having that time off because it allowed me to really rest, and also um, I think mentally too, it allowed me to just like relax and not have to worry about you know basketball. Basketball is one of those seasons where it's like you're literally practicing all year long. Yeah. Like you're, it's, there's really no rest. It's like you start and you're working out through through the summer. You get into school. You start you know training in late September, uh, October, and then you're training uh, until the season starts in like November, and then you're not ending until March if you're you know if you make it to March Madness, and then you're back to preseason training again to prepare for the next season. So for me, like having that time off was was huge because it. It just allowed allowed me to, to rest, recuperate, and and also just allowed me to, to kind of enjoy myself a little bit more, yeah. as opposed to being uh, you know super locked in on, on just basketball like it like it usually was. Now, say like going into that first practice was it weird? Like, were you like I don't know I don't remember how to play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean yeah, like it definitely was. I think there was a there was an an, an adjustment period. Basketball like you know it's like yeah. riding a bike, man. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean my my first couple of practices. Even though I, you know, I thought I was still in shape, there was, you know, definitely some rude awakenings there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like trying to to get my wind back and trying to get my rhythm back and adjusting to the speed 
and the athleticism and all all that goes into um, you know being a D1 college athlete. But my coaches were really good about reintegrating me and making sure that I got my rhythm. They honestly told me they were like, you know, we just want you to be ready for like the Ivy League season. So I ended up, you know, having a an okay first half of the season before we got into the league play. Um, and then once we got into the league, I got into a really, really good rhythm and um, did my thing. Yeah, yeah, you were named uh, first team All-Ivy League, and then you guys made the tournament run. You upset Baylor. So what was upsetting Baylor like? Man, that was that was crazy. It's, uh, you know, one, going to the, the NCAA tournament, March Madness, it's like you get there, and if you haven't been there, it's like, why don't we go every single year? Like, we have to get back. Yeah, yeah. So for the freshmen, I was super jealous because they got to see it in their first year yeah. and those guys um ended up going back to the tournament for last year but for me it was it was just incredible man we were in providence too so it was, it was essentially like a home game yeah so we had a ton of support from the fans super loud arena and i think it was a dunkin donut center and mm-hmm. um you know upsetting a team like baylor with like really really talented cats they had torian prince who mm-hmm. is in that league now at Rico Gathers, who is literally the biggest human I've ever seen in my life, he's like just a, just an ox. He actually, I think after I think after he he graduated, he got picked up by the Dallas Cowboys. He wasn't he didn't even play football, but just because of how big and athletic he was, yeah. he got uh, he got signed. But um, you know, it's, and, and then also too, like we win, and then you know, Torian Prince has that infamous you know NCA March Madness <laughs> video where he's talking about rebounding. And that gets played every single year. Like I can always say, like you know, that was us. So, yeah. um, and it was the first time school had had gotten a, I think a win ever. Yeah, was yeah, the, first, yeah. the first time we went to the tournament since like '64, and then the, the first time we won was against Baylor. So that was huge to be a part of history like that as well. So yeah, just a, just a, a blessing, man. Just really, really dope. And um, you know, for every basketball player, that's that's like the pinnacle trying to get there. Yeah, so I can't even imagine for teams who get there every year how spoiled they must they must feel. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Yeah, and actually, I forgot, going back, uh, you set the record, what was it, 30 consecutive shots in a row? Yeah, yeah, that was insane, too. Was that was an insane run. It was 30, It's right? funny, because, like, yeah, 30, 30, 30 yeah. in a row over, like, I think it was, like, four games, something like that. Yeah. And uh, what's funny is, before we got to Ivy League play, I had, like, a game. We played, like, a, a D3 team. And those games are always just, like, tune-ups to yeah. – to get guy gives guys some confidence that everyone's gonna play, we're gonna blow the team out by like sixty. And uh, we were we were playing the game, and, and I remember I, I probably shot like six for thirteen or something like that. And all the shots that I missed were like layups, just like point blank <laughs> shots that I just like blew. And I remember like dudes on my team and my coaches were like, "Come on, man, you got like lock in and focus." And uh, so I was like, "All right, bet." Um, and then next thing I know, I just kind of had this, this crazy run. I didn't even notice in game, you know, it's not something that you're you're yeah. thinking about um, until I got to that, you know, those last four or five shots to to get the record. Like those are those are probably that's probably the most nervous I've been yeah. um, on the court, just trying not to miss anything. But uh, it was a really 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 good run. Uh, my record is still the the record for the men's, but Ruby, I think it's Ruthie Hebert. She was a, a player at Oregon. She broke it, and she made, I think it was like 33 in a row. She has the all-time for both sides, but I have the men's record, so so I'll hold on to that. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, you had a little media uh, run right there with the tournament and the 30 uh, buckets in a row. It's crazy. That time in in college was was love for sure. 
and last then, uh, senior year moment. So yeah. I had a good time, man. Yeah, for sure. And I know in the second, yeah. well, I guess yeah, the second round, you guys played Duke, but I mean, obviously, you guys didn't didn't advance, but uh, you dropped twenty. So what was that like? Yeah, that was cool, man. Because you know, um, you were on I fire. Think we, had, we had we had we had played them earlier in the year, and um, I actually fouled out at Cameron Indoor. And I thought if I had played, and I, was, I played really well against them, and I was like, I thought if I had played, we would have had, uh, you know, a chance to um, to do our thing. We could have had a chance to really keep it close with them. Yeah. So coming into the game, I was really hyped up, and and also, but after the like the first half, we were down by like 20, 20 something. So we ended up making like a crazy run, and um, you know, it was just just a, it was a nice way to end my my career, even even though we didn't win as a team. It was a nice way to kind of end, and, mm-hmm. and funny enough, that film from that game was like really crucial in my in me playing professionally as well. It was like yeah. you know my agent can use that and say like, hey, like this guy played against Duke, one of the top teams that had you know they had Brandon Ingram, Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard, all NBA guys who were on that team, and so for my agent to to, to use that that film and, and pitch it to other teams and be like, hey, like this guy can actually hoop he played really well against this competition it was really important for me as well so, so that was that was that was really big yeah definitely that goes into my next question of you coming out of yale uh did you expect to go pro and like was that when you played duke like yourself personally did you think you were like all right like i could be a professional basketball player yeah i think like i i didn't i didn't know for sure if i was going to play professionally and i think some of that was the fact like i like i wanted to i think every every athlete wants to play in the nba every yeah. every college basketball player i think wants to play in the nba they want to get there yeah, sure. that had always been something that i had dreamed about but i also knew like that based on how i had performed in college up until that point you know the chances of me were going were slim but i after traveling i had felt really comfortable with the idea of um, you know, possibly living abroad, and I thought you know playing professional basketball would have been a, a great, great choice. But I think I wouldn't have come to that decision had had I not traveled traveled before and had I not been a part of the with proofs. So that was really big for me. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I mean, coming out of EL two, I had an option to to run for state senate, mm-hmm. and I got reached out to by the Republican Party in Connecticut, and they wanted me to run for a seat that was going to be going to be basically empty and so I ended up turning down that opportunity because I wanted to pursue basketball because it was a dream of mine I thought you know I'm young I'm still able-bodied and if I can play right now I want to do that and then you know if I have a career in politics later on then um you know I'll, I'll go for it when I have time and when I have enough money to support myself yeah yeah definitely definitely and going on the business side like how did you uh decide to pick your agent um so a, a few agents reached out to me during the year and uh, they reached out to my parents first because they couldn't really talk to me per NCAA rules at the time. Yeah. And uh, I ended up picking like the guy who reached out to me first, funny enough. <laughs> and because um, uh, I had, I just felt like some sort of loyalty yeah. to him and had, had like the fact that he had he had hit me up. But it actually turned out to be you know a bad situation. I think like and choosing agents is one of the hardest things. Like choosing your rep- representation is really important, <laughs> and um, you've got to go with the guy who have a proven track record you got to go with guys who shoot it to you straight because those are the people who are probably going to look out for you and and they have your best interests in mind so i ended up signing with this one agency and i I dropped the guy 
in July after I like went I went to like a showcase in Vegas. I was one of the top five players in that showcase. I working out, I had, you know, film and he had really no offers to show for um, the work that I had put in. Uh, over the summer. So I ended up dropping that guy and signing with my current agent, um, Matt Slan, based out of Canada. Mm-hmm. He's based out of Toronto, and we've been together since uh, my first year. Yeah, that's the stuff like I like. I think is important for other athletes to know, on especially like during these podcasts, stuff like that. No, no. Yeah, man, no doubt. I think, man, one of the things is like if you're – that's not a good look, and that's, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't be with that agent. I think there's like a you know if, if people reach out to you, I mean there are there are guys who prey on desperation, so there are dudes who are like I'll be your representation, but you got to pay me like this much, and I'll I'll find you something. And then sometimes guys pay agents and they don't find them anything, or mm-hmm. there are agents who say like they're really connected, but like they might be starting out in a company that's like or an agency that's like really big so you might like in my case i signed with a guy who was brand new to his agency so he didn't really have any clientele didn't really have a ton of connections but he was signed to an agency that that did he was was representing one so you know you got to be really vigilant with all all of that um and at the same time too you got to be patient you got to be really patient so my first gig i didn't i didn't leave until october but it was because I was, you know, waiting. I, I just, I just waited. I wasn't happy with the, the deals I had found, and um, my agent was like, you know, we can, we can chill, but you're gonna have to wait and see if something changes. So, um, I got really fortunate. But I think, um, you know, for guys that coming out their first year or two, you gotta, you gotta be willing maybe to take a pay cut and maybe go into a situation that, um, you know, allows you to to play and get some exposure in a, in a, in a good league. And that might mean that you're not going to have the best amenities or, you know, the, you know, the, the best um, salary, but it will give you the, the, you know, the, the open door to, um, you know, maybe expand your career and extend your career beyond that one year, yeah. beyond that one country. Yeah. I mean, you got to start somewhere, like you said, pretty much. Facts. Um, and did you have any opportunity to try out for like any D league, G league teams? No, I mean, me and my agent had, had talked about, that being a possibility, but I, I think for me, the I've really embraced being abroad. Like yeah. I've been in Italy for the last three years, played for the last few years. This is my fourth year yeah. uh, playing out here, and um, I got really, really, really fortunate in my first year that I ended up in a city that one really loved basketball. Mm-hmm. I made some great friends, had some great teammates, and I had an amazing experience in Italy. And from there, from then on, I was able to. You know, stay abroad, yeah. and also right now, if, like if you don't sign a two way contract in the G League, I don't think the the money yeah. is as good as as what you could you know possibly get if you're abroad. But I mean, you know, the the fact the matter is, like if you're playing abroad, like you're in a foreign country, yeah. you know, uh, that if you're not like in in London or or Scandinavia or some of these other places, not, there aren't a lot of people who speak English, um, yeah. which is also very difficult. So that culture shock is. Is something, and you're far away from your families. So you know, there's a, there's a lot of pros and cons. Like, yeah, you might have more money, but you're not going to be as comfortable. Whereas in the G League, you might not have as much money, but you're going to at least be in America. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's based on you know what you what you like, what you dig. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So what I know you kind of just touched on it, but what's overall what's your experience like been in Italy? It's been great, man. I mean, there are so many things to love about the country. I mean. For one, the the people here, 
they love soccer. I think that's like the that's definitely yeah. in the country's main sport. Definitely. But um, but but also I think people are really passionate about basketball, and they come out and support. And I think everyone kind of takes pride in the fact that their town has a basketball team and like the players um, that, are, that are there, like they get taken care of. There's been so many times I've gone to restaurants and, you know, the owner of the restaurant will come out and say like, Hey, it's such a pleasure to see you. Like I've seen you play on the basketball court. You're a great player. And they just show love. So I, I really, really enjoy that. Um, I think Italians are, um, they really care about family. Um, I think they're, uh, they like to stick to, to some, to their morals. So I think overall, as, as a people, they're really welcoming and, and friendly. And I love that. The Italian language is beautiful. I speak Italian now, which is dope. <laughs> so that's allowed me to get around and, 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 and get a real authentic experience, sure. um, even more so than, you know, what, what I was, what I was like when I first got, got here. Uh, the food is incredible. I eat really well. The quality of the food is, 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 is insane. Um, the wine is really good. Uh, the women here are beautiful. <laughs> so, you know, I can't really, I can't really complain. The off the court stuff too is really important. I yeah, think, sure, um, definitely. if you're, if you're able to have some sort of balance and for me, I think that's a major key. Just having those, um, you know, those, those, all these beautiful things here has really helped me, uh, be the player that I am now. Yeah. I've been on my wine game. You gotta tell me about some wines. <laughs> no facts. I mean, <laughs> For one, I'll, I'll shout out a couple of, of simple wines. If you want to have a, a nice, dry red wine that's really tasty, Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. That's like the Abruzzo is the region that the, the wine is, or where the grapes come from. Yeah. But it's a really, really simple wine, very tasty. If you want something that's a little bit more fuller body, that's a Nero Davola, which is like, um, I don't know how to translate that right now off the top of my head. But it's a, it's a fuller bodied wine. And then for white wine, Pecorino is really good. Falangina. I, I, I have, I'll, I'll send you some bottles. I think that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to get a couple of bottles. And then when I, when I come back to the States, uh, we'll have a LeBron moment. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just have a little, a little tasting. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And uh, <laughs> what about, what, what's your goals for this year and beyond? Yeah, this year, man, I'm trying to, um, I've been expanding my game every single year. So I, I play like the, the five, the yeah. center position and power forward every now and then too. But every year I've added something to my game. So like my first year, I was literally just like a, a rebound and dump off guy. And then my second year, I added a little bit more ball handling and, and playmaking. And then this past year, it was a little bit more playmaking, a little bit more ball handling and, and some mid-range shooting. So this year, I'm trying to just, you know, I'm, I'm shooting the three this oh. year. So that's going to be, be big for me. Okay. Um, and also, too, I think if I shoot it consistently well, then that's going to also result in more money. Yeah. And, um, and my life will be a lot easier because I don't have to bang in the post all the time. Sure. So my goal this year is to, is to expand my game, continue, continue to expand my game to, to win our league. I think we have a really good team this year. Um, if we get it together, we can really do some damage um, in the playoffs and I think have a chance of, of winning the whole thing. And then, um, and honestly, just to be conscious with my, you know, my money, I'm working mm-hmm. on a couple of investments right now. Um, and also just, you know, trying to raise awareness with other athletes. It's like, you know, we, we make a lot of money, but you know, there's, we have to save it one. Mm-hmm. And then two, if we are saving it, it's, it's, it's not great to just let it sit. It's probably better if you, um, you know, find some way to invest it and to, uh, make your money work for you yeah. so that in the future you can set yourself up. Definitely. Definitely. 
And then going into your uh, music career, I know you were just on an album with other international basketball players. So tell me a little about about that. Yeah, my guy Adam Smith, shout out to Adam, um, who's actually playing in Greece right now, Thessaloniki in Greece's top league. Um, we were teammates my first year when I played in Rosetto, mm-hmm. and uh, Adam's a rapper. And for those who don't know, I'm a singer. So we talked a lot last last year. We had a meeting in Bologna, one city in, in Italy, mm-hmm. and we worked with this uh, producer Yuri, who didn't really speak any he I didn't really speak any English but we were able to um, create this super dope album that just came out called Across the Pond it's the EP and uh, I'm featured on like four tracks with, with my man Adam and it just talks about our experience of, of uh, you know being abroad and what that's like and mm-hmm. and how difficult it is but also how much of a blessing it is and how we're able to kind of set up um, ourselves financially and also set up our families um, financially and we also get to experience all the, the culture food traveling and things that we would never see in the states and things that a lot of people in the states will never get to experience so it's just a, you know a real blessing that I was able to be on that project and it's doing really well. It got mm-hmm. shouted out by Sports Hondo. You know, we have a lot of players that have been, have been uh, tweeting it and, and sharing it. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, every major platform, YouTube. So um, go 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 download that Across the Pond by Adam Smith. It's dope. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely got to check that out. I've been using Spotify a lot, so probably on Spotify. Um, so going into, like, what, what advice would you give a uh, basketball player trying to get a D1 scholarship or trying to go pro? Yeah, I think um, you, one thing my coach from Cho used to say all the time, I don't think it seems like he would say, be great every day. He's like, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are that are out of your control, but the one thing you control is, you know, your, your, your effort, your attitude, and your focus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what's going on around you, you can you can make the choice of being great. So if that means like you know you have a practice and it's three on three, like people are watching, so be great. Um, or even if even even if there's no one in the stands, just the fact that you know you're you're being that guy who who sticks out um, amongst his, his peers, and you're like the, the you're the leader, you're talkative, you're you're doing all the right things, like that definitely will get you to the next level. Because there are a lot of good players that are out here and there are a lot of, you know, the guys who are talented, who, who aren't playing professionally and aren't, aren't getting a division one scholarship and there are little differences. So just being great every day, like being a person of character, it's crazy how, how much that plays into the, the decision-making process of, of guys signing with teams, especially like out in Europe, like coaches will literally ask like, is this guy a good locker room? Like, we're not even the basketball stuff. Like, yeah, we know he's a good basketball player, but is he a good locker room guy? Yeah. Like, does he does he party too much? Like, is he is he a dude who who um, is he a dude or is he is he a, a girl or is she a girl who um, you know fights with fights with her teammates or, um, or or does things that you know would would you know piss a coach off? So like those are those are really important things, um, and mm. people look in, look into that. Especially with all like these college coaches as well, it's like they can find a lot of talented guys, but can they find you know talented guys and, and girls with character? So I think mm-hmm. that's that's been the, the, the biggest thing that I've learned. And just being smart, you don't have to put everything on social media um, either. I think that's one of the one of the bigger things nowadays. It just seems like everyone wants to post every single thing that they do, but it, you got to be really really smart and vigilant about you know who's seeing your content and what mm-hmm. content that you're posting. Because uh, all that at the end of the day will you know either follow you, haunt you, or, or you know help you, um, depending on on what you uh, how, on how you use it. 
That's that's definitely definitely true. <laughs> Facts. Like you're you're seeing that now, like with AB and like, and not even just AB, like every like a ton of athletes, just, they just get in the trouble because they're just doing stupid things yeah. on social media, and so it's like you know you can control that. Mm-hmm. That's not hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, going back to the locker room uh, aspect and character, actually, Josh Harden, uh, I think uh, uh, he interviewed Chris Broussard, and they were talking about like. Like that's like almost like half the the battle now. Like you just got to be like a good guy, like to get on a team. <laughs> like yeah, and, and also to like stay with teams. Like yeah. there are guys who, again, there are so many talented, like hoopers, players, <laughs> just in, in every single field, um, that don't get picked up because they literally just can't coexist with other people. Yeah. You know, and and at the end of the day, it's a team sport, so you have to. You gotta, you gotta provide something. You gotta provide some sort of atmosphere. You gotta uh, um, add to the atmosphere. Yeah. If you're subtracting or if you're detracting, then it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a bad look for everyone who's involved. No one's gonna want to mess with you. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. And uh, we're about to do some fun questions from Average Savage. You ready? Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite song right now? Favorite song right now. That's tough. <laughs> I would listen to all right, so I really rock with like Neo Soul. All right. So there's this there's a song right now that I've been bopping called uh, Strength by Moonchild. It's really, really chill. Moonchild is like this R and B group and I thought it was a black group and then I went to their, their page on uh on Apple Music and it's like three people from like the middle of, of, of nowhere in like Utah <laughs> or something like that. Or like right. they're Norwegian, something something crazy. I was I was really I was really shocked. Anyway, they're dope. <laughs> Moonchild strength. All right, I'll check them out. Uh, why do you wear 35? Because it was the last jersey that they had available when I was when I got I got like the last varsity jersey um, my freshman year of uh, of high school, <laughs> like at the very end of the year, and that was the last jersey that they had. But I was like working towards that jersey, so like once I got it, I was like, you know, this is the one for me. That's so funny because I just had Shane Gibson on, and he basically said the exact same thing. He was the last one. Really? He was the last one yeah. to get his jersey, and that and that's why he has a number. <laughs> Crazy. That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, I kind of know this answer, but what do you like to do when you're not playing basketball or training? Okay, so I'm not training, playing basketball, making music, yep. sightseeing. I, I love sightseeing. Um, I've recently gotten into photography a little bit. I got like a Polaroid camera. It was the gift. Shout out to the to the gift giver. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've been taking on a lot of a lot of photos. But um, and then also like eating really good food. I, I, I kind of put take myself on restaurant tours all the time, just trying to experience all the all the good things. Yeah, yeah. All those sounds pretty good. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, and last one is your goal still to be the mayor of Bridgeport? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a long term goal of mine. Um, I think it's going to be more realistic once I do something impactful in the city. I think that's that's probably the, the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of have your impact felt remotely, yeah. and also just being present and being tangible and being available in that space. I think is really important. I think that's something that um, that any good politician does. It's like they they make themselves felt. So. Um, I, I definitely want to do that. My heart is, you know, always attached to Bridgeport. Uh, you know, I think Bridgeport is the greatest city in the world and has a lot of potential that's just been untapped. And unfortunately, we haven't had um, a string of 
of competent politicians in office for some for some time. So um, I am looking looking to come back, but also this summer. I'm also trying to um, work on a basketball camp that I want to do with um, kids from the city. I want to do something in the city to provide people in Bridgeport with with um, an option that touches on basketball, but um, also on you know extracurricular activities and being well rounded. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think all those things will eventually you know lead to me having some sort of impact. And um, eventually, I, I want to definitely run for mayor. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, well, I appreciate you coming on and could you let the people know where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, for sure. Go follow me on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at brod35, B-R-O-D-3-5. And then on Facebook, if you want to follow my athlete page, it's Brandon Sherrod. Or my personal page is Brandon Tyler Sherrod. Um, and then... Yeah, that's pretty much it. I follow Napoli Basket. That's my team this year, based in Naples. Uh, we're going to have a big year, so you can follow me on all those platforms. And and also uh, check me out because I am a PG Sports athlete. So, hey, deep game. I appreciate Cheers you there. coming on, and good luck this season. Appreciate you.